Good morning. This may come as a shock to some of you, but this is the body of a former high school athlete. There, there's a vague resemblance. I still have two arms and two legs, and they're very functional. That's about it. The irony is I'm wearing a hockey jersey where <clears throat> Jim Kuzanski could attest I can barely stand in two skates. But I play just about every other sport that doesn't require ice skates. Really enjoy them. Wasn't really good at them, but I was good enough to kind of make the team and occupy a spot on the bench and keep it warm for other people who got tired at the end of the game. I think why I enjoyed team sports so much is that I didn't have any biological brothers. So it was kind of my way of male bonding and it really was a positive influence on my uh, developing. But I want to talk about just being part of a team and accomplishing things together. That comes out very strongly in the passage in Ephesians we're going to look at. One of a coach's greatest challenges is to actually get the team to function together, all for one and one for all, as the saying from the, uh, the slogan for the Three Musketeers uh, works uh, is displayed there. That means that each person needs to know their role and embrace it fully, embrace that role. Otherwise, you don't have a functional team, do you? I'm going to give you some background to the passage that we're going to look at this morning in Ephesians 4. Uh, now, the book of Ephesians is all about God's new, new community. And in chapter 1, we see how uh, Paul explains our identity in Christ, helping us understand who we really are because of what Jesus has done for us. We've been handpicked out of billions of other human beings to be adopted into his family. He loves us, he revels in us, and he gives us full rights as his adopted children, which is amazing. But we don't exist in a single child family. God does not have single children. He has many, many children. So we're in relationship with each other. We don't live life in a vacuum. And in chapter 2, we discover we have brothers and sisters from other cultures, other backgrounds. And through the cross, Jesus has destroyed any walls of ethnic prejudice and separation. Those are gone, as far as God's concerned. And he calls for us to walk that out and live out that reality together through Jesus. Jesus is what connects all of us. And in chapter 3, uh, Paul goes on and just raves about um, the, the crazy glue of God's love that holds all this stuff together. And uh, that, that's just a beautiful reality. And Valentine's Day was uh, two weeks ago, right? Anybody still got flowers left from Valentine's Day? Like, real flowers? Probably not. They, I mean, they're great, and then they, right? Eventually, the way of all flowers. God's love never ends. Never, ever. And His mercies are new every morning. Somehow He thinks of new ways to love us every morning. Wow. How creative is that? And that's the reality that holds all of us together. That's, that's what assures us that God is for us. Forever. And that's the glue that holds us together as God's new family and as his adopted children. Now, after establishing that rock-solid foundation, 
three chapters of really good content, really good theology. It's really important. Then Paul goes on to the so what part of Ephesians. He's built a really good foundation. How many people here have ever had foundation issues in the building they live in, whether it's an apartment or a house? Anybody here? Yeah? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Foundations aren't glamorous. You don't call your friends over and say, hey, I'm having a foundation party. Come and see my new, oh, I love what you've done with the place. Such a nice shade of gray. I love concrete that color. You don't do that. But if it doesn't work, you know, right? So Paul has built for us a really solid foundation that we can live life. And that's why when he begins this passage, is that next slide going to work, Tom? Maybe? I can hardly, oh, I love building anticipation like that. That's why, what's the first word in this passage? When there's a therefore in the Bible, you got to think, now what is it there for? It's there for this person, for this reason. Paul's talked about all this beautiful theology building, a foundation. And then he says, therefore, I, Paul. Can we go back? Stay. Okay. Um, a prisoner. <laughs> I'll read it to you. Therefore, I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord. This is really going to hold your attention, isn't it? Remember that Paul, where was Paul when he wrote this letter? He was in prison, and not just on prison. He was on death row. And he was under house arrest. So he was able to, he had to rent his own facility, and he was allowed relative freedom, but he spent 24-7 chained to a Roman guard. Wasn't that lovely? They didn't have those, you know, remote manacles that we have today. They just got... Uh, some poor... I feel sorry for those Roman soldiers chained to Paul all the time. Preach, 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 preach. It's no wonder in Philippians he says, you know, the gospel is going all through the Praetorian Guard. I don't know how that's happened. Anyway, read Philippians sometime. It's hilarious that way. So, um, Paul is on death row writing this, and he says, therefore, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, Okay. Do I have your attention now? Clink, 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 clink. Guess what's going to happen to me in the near future? No RSP season for me. Unless it's to my heirs or next of kin. Paul says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling because you've been called by who? By your mom and dad to come to Sunday school? By your pastor who's always nagging you to do stuff? by somebody on a board somewhere to join a committee? No. You've been called by God. So because of that, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. See, that's where the horizontal relationships are coming into play. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now that doesn't mean you tolerate someone's bad behavior forever and ever and ever, but you work it out. You work it out. You confront and love. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Why does he say, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit? Because our natural inclination is to do our own thing. Our natural inclination 
is to worry about my three best friends, me, myself, and I. That's our natural inclination. So we have to intentionally make every effort. That means put some sweat into it and effort into it and make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. So live a life worthy of your calling. There's a, there's a cliche, the reason I wore this retro jersey is there's a cliche in sports. It's about the logo in front of the jersey, not the name on the back. Do you understand? That's what Paul is saying. It's all about the team. It's all about being called by God. It's not about the name on the back of your jersey. Okay? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God and all of us together. Now this sounds nice and theoretical on a sunny morning. We sing some songs. We feel good. And then what? Bang! We get challenged right away. We're bumping up against each other. And, uh, you know, we don't like it. It's really challenging. But the reality is God wants us to be one. And he's, Paul is urging people, be worthy of the calling that you've, we've been called to. Live up to who God has called you to be. Okay? Live up to who God has called you to be. The good news is, this is not religion. This is not striving because someone externally is forcing you to do something. It's the inner reality of Holy Spirit living on, in us gives us the desire. When we sing that song, I Surrender All, that's how we invite Holy Spirit. It creates a landing strip for Holy Spirit to come in and say, okay, you really mean that song? All right, now we can work together and I will help you love the challenging people in your life. I will help you, you know, cement these bonds of peace. I will help you. And all of a sudden, you find yourself appreciating people that you hadn't appreciated before and respecting people you hadn't respected before. And God gives you a new perspective on things and you're going, wow. And it's a miracle of God. And little miracles happening every day. So live up to who God has called you to be, Paul's saying. Because we are called to um, to represent him really well. If you're a hockey fan, you know last year the Maple Leafs had a really challenging season again. And what were people doing, especially in the Air Canada Center? Do you know what they were doing? They were taking their jerseys and throwing them on the ice in disgust, saying, I've had it. Now someone has to be really disgusted to throw maybe a two to $300 jersey. Personally, I would have thrown a cheap one. And then they get thrown out of the game, which is even more expensive. It could cost you hundreds of dollars to publicly, you know, demonstrate your disgust at a sports team. And people were kind of offended with this, but they, they realized that, the, that maybe the best way to get across to the management of the team, we're not happy, we're not happy being identified with what's going on. But when we wear the jersey of Jesus, so to speak, we don't bring discredit to it. We ask Holy Spirit to help us represent Him well and live up to the calling that He's called us to. Let's continue. I'm going to need your help on this next passage, okay? Um, can everybody stand up for a minute? Wow, just when you get comfortable, okay?
Now, we're going to have a responsive reading. I'm going to read the stuff in the, the uh, lowercase letters. And whenever you see one or the word all, that's your line. Okay? Let's try this together. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Wow, it's almost a rap session. Okay, have a seat. Now, hopefully, those words will sink into your muscle memory a little bit. Think, what is Paul trying to get across in this passage with all this one and all stuff? It means that we really are all together. We really are one. And it's the spirit that makes us one, not our labels. Um, several years ago, when Luann and I moved to Smith Falls, Ontario, to plant a church, um, we moved to the community. People have been gathering in homes and they rented a school gym. They're really excited to have a pastor. It's like, wow, now we can really get going. And I asked them for the first three Sundays off not to be in church. And they're going, what? I'll be here through the week, but what I want to do is incognito, just visit other churches in the community to see what God is already doing. Because I wouldn't be able to do that a year later because they know, oh, there's that Rick guy. He's from the church down the road. So I did that. I did a little creative stooping and just praying and investigating and seeing what God was doing. It was very interesting. One Sunday morning, I was a twicer. Have you ever been a twicer? Go to church twice on a Sunday? That's what a twicer is. I was a twicer. I went to 9 o'clock Mass at the Roman Catholic Church. And I went to an 11 a.m. service at an evangelical church. Nine and 11. At both services, the Roman Catholic Church and the evangelical church, they sang one song that was a saying. What do you think it was? Any guesses? There's no, you weren't there, so just guess. I'll give you three guesses. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. That would be an excellent grade, a guess. But it, it wasn't. But that's, that would have been at the top of my list because it's kind of the standard. It's a classic. It's a beautiful song. Okay. Next guess. We are one in the Spirit. You were there too. And you know what the closing song is. Anyway, they sang, We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. Now I'm thinking, this is amazing. Do the evangelicals know that the Catholics sang this this morning? And did the Catholics know that the Evangelicals were going to sing it a couple hours later? And would they ever sing it together? I, I, I don't know. Now listen. Listen very carefully to me, okay? What we believe, our theology is really important. But what I'm saying to you is the labels that we put on each other can be barriers. We build up walls. How do we know if someone is in God's family? We see fruit in their lives, and ultimately it's up to God to decide, not us. That is just about as close to that precipice as I'm going to get this morning.
But think about that. Someone is following Jesus. It's not so much about where they worship or if they worship or even if they attend a church at all. It's about what God is doing in them. But they will have healthy relationships with other people in the family of God and they will live that out. There will be evidence. Basically, there will be evidence to convict them of following Jesus. Alright? You'll see that. But I just thought that was interesting. And so we have to um, make every effort to keep that bond of peace. Unity has never meant uniformity. Martin Luther King said this as well as other people have uh, researched this quote. That doesn't mean we are all the same. And that's a good thing. Wouldn't that be boring if we were all the same? If we were clones of each other? Uniformity comes from outside pressure. Uh, I mean, if you want to fit into our church, I'll tell you, this is how you dress, this is how you behave, and just, you know, behave yourself, and then maybe if you behave enough, then you'll get accepted. That's uniformity. Yuck. But unity is, hey, Jesus is changing my life. Let me hear your story. Yeah, you should, you know, he changed my life. He, I started 30 years ago, and he's still working on me. Wow. And that's the unity that we have. I was hitchhiking, bumming my way through uh, Portugal in a previous century at a youth hostel, and I bumped into a young Portuguese guy who was coming back from uh, doing his army service, his national service. And there he was in his bunk reading a Bible. I hadn't seen anybody with a Bible for weeks and weeks. So we struck up this really brief conversation because he didn't know much English and I knew less Portuguese. But it felt like, bang, we were instantly connected because it was the Holy Spirit in us, right? Unity, we were one. We were united, even though we didn't have much language and culture in common. And unity does not mean uniformity. God loves variety. Now, keep that in mind. Unity does not mean is not uniformity. Keep in mind when I read this next passage, okay? Part of the passage. I think about this. Sign up for your God-given role in the church. God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it said he ascended. This clearly means that Jesus also descended to our world, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher into the heavens so that he might fill all the universe with himself. Okay, now Paul goes on that little riff there to say, wow, Jesus is awesome. But the point is, he's giving gifts to the church. And here are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, those are the people that God uses to get things started, to get things rolled, okay? They're kind of spiritual entrepreneurs. They're prophets. People who hear, have the capacity to hear from God and speak forth His truth. Maybe publicly, one-on-one. We can talk more about prophecy. There are important um, guidelines to the whole area of prophecy. But it's God speaking directly to people to build up and equip His body. There are people who are evangelists. Now, we're all called to witness. Everybody's called to share the good news about Jesus. You can do that. You can do that. Here's a way to help you do that. Invite somebody to the concert Sunday night. 
That's all you got to do. Pretty simple. So easy to be a witness. But some people, God is really gifted with that ability. There, there's something really happens when they talk to people about Jesus. People go, yeah, okay, sign me up, or I want to hear more. So some people are especially gifted in that area. And then there are pastors and teachers. Pastors kind of come alongside and encourage folks and, and help them walk through stuff. And teachers, people have the ability to, when they talk, especially about God's Word, they're gifted. It makes it clear, it makes sense, and practical, and down to earth. That's, that's another gifting. The responsibility of all these different gifts is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, we will be mature in the Lord up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So it's the responsibility of all these folks who have giftings. And I would, I would suggest to you, there are many more spiritual gifts. And we can talk about that sometime. It would be really helpful for you, for all of us to know our gifts. But these gifts are designed to equip God's people. How many pastors do we have in Elam Chapel? I think, I think it's just Pastor Justine and I and myself, like officially. How many ministries do we have in Elam Chapel? Looking at them, you're all ministers because to minister means literally to serve. Okay? Oh! I'm a minister. Oh, yes you are. Okay? Hopefully that makes you sit up a little straighter and go, okay, I'm a minister. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Go home and think about the implications of that for a while. But the job of these leaders, people with these gifts, is to equip God's people. The Christian church has been described as a professional football game. You know, we'll go with Canadian football. There's 24 people on the field knocking themselves silly, wearing themselves out, and tens of thousands of spectators watching. God invites all of us to get in the game, to pursue spiritual gifts, to say, God, what did you make me? How did you wire me? Where can I serve? Where can I plug in? It might be inside the church, it might be somewhere else in the community, but God's got a spot for all of us to plug in and serve. And these equipping gifts from apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they're meant to build up the body so we can do what God wants us to do. So, third point is grow up. Spiritual maturity means reproducing yourself. Spiritual maturity may or may not have anything to do with um, completing a bunch of courses or gaining more head knowledge. I mean, that can be helpful, taking another course. It can mean it might have something to do with serving in the church in some way. But ultimately, spiritual maturity, if you look at biological maturity, you know what? An organism is mature if it can reproduce itself. So if we are reproducing ourselves, if we're going out in mission, and not necessarily just individually, but as a group, if we are welcoming, seeing more people welcomed into the kingdom of God, then we're mature. Then we're getting somewhere. 
And that's not meant to make people feel guilty. Oh, I didn't talk to that person on the bus. Maybe God didn't want you to. <sighs> really? Yeah. <sighs> really. But it's meant to challenge us to think, okay, the rule, our involvement in God's plan for the world means seeing other people come into God's family. And then once we're mature, once we get a handle on things, once we get a handle on the basics of the faith and also how to live them out, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge that shows up in our relationships, then we won't be immature like children. Kids are really cute, but they're immature. They are entry-level human beings, right? And it's our job to help them grow up. Well, it's the role of church to help all of us grow up in Christ. So we're not tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching, every new idea that comes out. I guarantee you, every Christmas and Easter, at Easter, there's going to be another copy of Newsweek or McLean's or Time and say, did Jesus really come back from the dead? Oh, new research shows. Oh, no. It's the same thing every year. They used to sell magazines. It's not true. It wasn't true 2,000 years ago. It's not true now. But people can get thrown off. I had one dear lady tell me, oh, I, I read the Da Vinci Code. You must be really distraught that your belief in Jesus is, is, is not true. I'm sorry, I couldn't make my way through that book. I thought it was badly written and a bunch of baloney. Sorry if you like the book. I just gave you my review in 30 seconds. But she was all distraught. She thought my whole life would fall apart because of this one novel, hello, fiction, even though Dan Brown says everything is kind of true in the beginning of the book. What a, okay, I'm getting wound up. Anyway, you can see how someone can be blown around by wind of doctrine, okay? And that's why we need to equip people to be mature and grow and say, ah, file that in a circular file. Then we won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies clever enough that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love to each other and to other people. This is really challenging. This is a sign of a mature Christian too. You can speak the truth in love. Because if you just speak the straight truth to people, you will devastate them. It'll be like you're setting off a bomb and you just... Well, I've got a few things that I need to talk about and I have some feedback for you. And then the person is... Basically, there's shoes and smoke coming up. Or there's nothing left of them. They've just been totally annihilated. And you're going, wow, oh, it's good to share. It's good to walk in the light, isn't it? I'm so glad I could share that with you. Lord, put it on my heart. Oh, thanks very much. But if we speak the truth in love, we think, oh, I really have to be sensitive about this. This is awkward, but I really need to talk to this person. And the relationship's really important to me, so I need to guard that relationship. Say it truthfully and tactfully. I have some feedback for you. When you do this, it makes me feel this way. Can we talk about it? Can you help me understand what you're thinking when you do that way, because when you do it, this is how it comes across to me. And you build a bridge instead of a battering ram. So when we speak the truth and love to each other. And when we do that, more and more like Christ, 
is the head of the body of his church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. Then the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That is God's passion for Elam Chapel. That be a community that's absolutely full of truth and grace. Full of truth. So we can recognize, you know, those lies that sound like the real thing, but not. We can recognize the truth about ourselves. Accept the truth about ourselves. But God wants to change us, so he gives us the courage to look deep inside and go, yeah, I really don't like that. Jesus, have mercy. Help me to change. Then we have that community of truth and a community of grace and love. That's how he, what he wants us to be like. Let me close with this. God is calling us to live up to who he's called us to be. Okay? It's all about the logo in the front of the jersey, not the name in the back. Okay? Live up to who you're called to be. Let's all of us live up to who we're called to be. Okay? And this is not another religious obligation. It's an encouragement from Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, can't do this on my own. And Holy Spirit says, well, good. We both agree on one thing. Let's get together and work on it. Okay? No judgment with God. We become clean with Him. So live up to who God has called us to be. Then, we sign up for our God-given role in the church, the community, wherever He calls us, in His kingdom. We use our gifts to build up the body. And grow up. Spiritual maturity means reproducing yourself. Okay? Lord, where can we go make disciples, or maybe apprentices, apprentices of Jesus. That might be better language to use. Maybe we'll start using that. Where can we do that? Where is God calling us to work? Let's pray together. Father, we want to grow up. We want to live up to uh, what you've called us to do. We want to sign up for our role in your kingdom. And we want to grow up. I pray that you will Give us this desire, give this hunger for your presence, your reality in our lives. We can't do this on our own. We can't love each other on our own. We can't love you on our own. We are fully dependent on you. And we're happy to admit that. We're not embarrassed about that at all. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to live up to the calling that you've called us to. In Jesus' name.